All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Morning. Let's start with the Health Minister's Conference, mm-hmm. still underway today yep. in Vancouver, right? Yeah, we break uh, this afternoon. Uh, the Federal Minister, Jean-Yves Duclos, Federal Health Minister, is there today. He's co-chairing today's meeting with the host uh, Health Minister, Adrian Nix from BC. It's all about money. Yeah. Uh, the, the provinces are looking for the sh- feds to up their their share of the of the funding pie from twenty two percent to thirty five percent. That's almost thirty billion dollars, which is a huge amount of money. Um, the feds are responding that they are willing to give money. Yeah, uh, it's unclear what form it'll take. Will it be an increase in the Canada health transfer? Um, also, the proverbial strings attached. Uh, the the government wants the feds want to see some measurable outcomes. They want to see a national uh, data bank yeah. set up and such. And so it's encouraging, I think, that people are talking about um, increasing funding, but they haven't hit on the formula yet. Okay, let's listen to Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, on this precise point. He was asked yesterday about these calls for more money from healthcare ministers. Here's what he had to say. There's no point just putting more money into a broken system. We need to improve the results delivered for Canadians. We need to make sure that people can have access to a family doctor, that they have access uh, to mental health services as we're all dealing with challenges left over by the pandemic that go beyond physical health. People need to know that emergency rooms are going to be able to be there for their kids. Yeah, this comes at the same time, by the way, that there are long waits at BC Children's Hospital, like nine, nine, ten hours mm-hmm. to see a doctor there if you have a sick kid. Yeah, so, so uh, again, there's a number of uh, parts of the system that need improvement. One of the more striking things, and I did a report on this last night, uh, the heart of the funding uh, demand is every province is experiencing a crisis when it comes to human resources. Every province has a doctor shortage and a nursing shortage oh. and a physiotherapist shortage. And you go down the list, I got a, sent to me yesterday, t- 21 different health professions are outlined in the, the BC system. Over the next 10 years, 70,000 workers have to be found to fill those positions. So 70,000, that's 7,000 people a year because of a huge number of retirements and burnout and people just deciding to do something else. So 25,000 nurses have to be found, 6,000 doctors, half of them family physicians, half of them specialists. Um, I think 2,000 physiotherapists are expected to be needed over the next, and again, this is the next 10 years. So we already have a, a staffing crisis, and you can't hire people unless you have money. And it's also about training. Uh, there has to be more training in post-secondary institutions for nurses and doctors and other health professionals to fill these huge gaps that are going to exist right across the country, which is one reason why there's a sense of urgency attached to this. So I think Trudeau makes, a, the Prime Minister makes a good point. You don't want to necessarily pour billions of dollars into a system that isn't working uh, on firing on, on all cylinders. On the other hand, you can't just slowly strangle a system that it may not be working perfectly, but people still want it. Okay, speaking of money being poured into a system, and then there are questions about whether you're getting value for that mm-hmm. money. Let's talk about this extraordinary report that was commissioned by the Vancouver Police Department, obtained by Global News, that shows more than $5 billion a year is being spent in the downtown east side and other social services in the city. So uh, a really good job by Global News reporter Romina Dea here. Let's listen to part of her report. You're going to hear Liberal leader Kevin Falcon at the end here. Have a listen. Global News has obtained a summary of a report which pegs the price tag of Vancouver's social safety net at $5 billion a year. 
14 million a day. What is shocking and should be shocking for the public is the fact that $100 million a week is being spent to get worsening results. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm still unclear how the number was arrived at, but it's long been known. We've done stories in the past, uh, you know, through successive governments where there's always some considerable amount of money being spent on the social, trying to cure the social ills, particularly in the downtown east side, but not confined to there. And this report's about Vancouver. Um, But it's tough to quantify exactly how much is being spent. And sometimes there's a lack of accountability uh, of, from a number of organizations that are there and are contracted out to perform services, and uh, not everything's up in front. But it's, again, it's a shocking number. But I'm not entirely sure how it was arrived at. Yeah, and does that does that argue then for more clarity, more transparency on how this money is being spent? I mean, you've already. I think the opposition will have a field day with this. You've already got the liberals suggesting there should be a, a, maybe an audit of how this money is being spent. And I'm not clear what level of each government is this money is attached to i mean yeah. we've got you've got federal money is is there you've got right. provincial money and there's also municipal money um and again i'm not sure exactly which government has which uh, which share but you can be sure that the house isn't sitting this week or next week uh will it still be a hot issue when the house comes back the following week i think the the liberals have made street safety the number one issue in the house in this session and i suspect they'll return to that issue i think you're you know you're right that we've talked before about we all knew that there's a money pit down there in the mm-hmm. downtown east side they pour billions into it we, we all know that but to see the that this sort of black and white figure put on it of five billion a year i think is is eye-popping for for a lot of people and i think there'll be calls for more perhaps an audit, a full audit. Let's, let's listen to this exchange here. Now, this is interesting. So Romina Day, a global news reporter here, in conversation here with Janice Abbott, who is the CEO of one of these social housing uh, companies or organizations called Atira, which contracts mm-hmm. right with government here to provide services for people here. And she tries to ask her how much, how much her salary is. How much is her salary paid in this organization? Listen to this exchange. Atira, the only nonprofit of the three to respond, but one question was off limits. Abbott's salary. You're being funded by taxpayer dollars, so I think it is a fair question. No, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is a fair question. Okay, now everyone's well, how much does she get paid? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean if you're if you're getting a huge contract from the government, I mean you do need to be upfront about uh, some of the details. So you think she should disclose how much she's being paid? I would think so, but I'd, I'd like to see what the contract is yeah. and how much we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, see, this brings back, and we were just talking about this off air, this brings back memories of the Portland Hotel Society yeah. from a few years ago when Jenny Kwan w- was working with them and had to return 35000 bucks in, in funds for trips to Disneyland yeah. in Europe that was paid for by this nonprofit in the downtown east side. It's always best to be transparent, provide clarity, so the questions aren't, people don't leap to wrong conclusions. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think we could use, let's get some facts, let's let's see some more breakdown of these numbers. Yeah, I'd be interested how that five billion breaks down. Right. Like exactly how much on each service, how much from each government. Right. It's a big figure, but I'd like to see more detail. Yeah, this is going to spark calls for more transparency on on how this money is being spent. Election day in the United States. Big day. Yeah. Critical so, day. Yeah. Midterm. So you've got races. You got the, the whole House of Representatives up for grabs, mm-hmm. right? And Republicans hoping to make gains there. And key Senate races. 
Yeah. Uh, as well. What are you watching for? So the uh, Republicans only need to flip five House seats, and it's, yeah. it's right now it's 50-50 in the Senate. And George, I'm keeping my eyes on Georgia. Oh, yeah. Where former NFL star Herschel Walker is running, very pro-Trump uh, candidate, um, already the uh, subject of enormous controversy. He's uh, Women have come forward saying he paid for their abortions. Yeah, two of them. Two, he said two women come two forward. Women. He's disclosed he has three kids that he didn't disclose before. He he was uh, accused of threatening to kill his ex-wife. Uh, he's had a whole mess of controversy, yet the polls continue to show a dead heat. Yeah. So there's a few things looking for today. What happens to the – there's about 300 Republican election deniers running who just reject the fact that the last election was, was fair. Um, so what do the deniers do? Do they vote today? Um, or do they think the process is, oh. is is dishonest, so they won't vote? I mean, that's one that's one uh, one theory. Um, we'll see, but uh, it's a it's a pivotal election because I think if the deniers win here, I think democracy really takes a a shot to the face. Okay. Meanwhile, in the background, you've got Donald Trump, the former president hinting at he's going to run again mm -hmm. now ron DeSantis, the governor in florida up for re-election today he will he will easily uh, be re-elected as governor of florida but a lot of people don't think he'll finish his term because they think he's going to run for president now listen to this here's trump trolling uh ron DeSantis here have a listen it's trump at 71 ron de sanctimonious at 10 percent Mike Pence at seven. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. Okay, Ron DeSanctimonious. So he's already coined the nickname for him. So yeah, this so is going to be something. Uh, the Republican Party, I tell you, there's still the party of Trump. Um, but DeSantis is determined to, to sort of break that. But there's a lot of elections, also gubernatorial elections. The Republicans have made it a part of their strategy to, to sort of try to capture the state legislatures and governor offices because the state legislatures draw the electoral maps and they re do the redistribution. And there's been for years accusations that the Republicans are gerrymandering the maps to ensure that they control Congress, but that they realign the electoral maps to, to sort of sh um, shove away voters that are not friendly to them. Okay, I think the Republicans are going to have a good night. Uh, that's just judging by some of the polls and analysis. Well, the other polls, uh, pollsters are picking up the uh, people are lying to pollsters like never before. So that's another thing to keep an eye on today. Where the polls correct? When we'll all these dead heat races, are they dead heats or does one party actually have a significant lead? And Herschel Walker, when you have a guy who's running on kind of a, an anti-abortion platform and then you have women coming forward to say, he paid for my abortion, like you'd think that would disqualify him, you know, from being a, a U.S. senator. But, you know, the, the way that the vote breaks down, like, it doesn't matter who the, what kind of quality of character the, the candidate is. A lot of people, they, they want control of the Senate and the Republicans, so they'll vote, they'll vote for the guy anyway. Well, it shows again just how divided that country is. So people who normally would never vote for Herschel Walker because of the abortion situation, yeah. who are anti, who are, um, uh, pro-life themselves, are yeah. suddenly able to put those, those concerns aside because they hate the Democrats even more. Right, that's exactly, how, that's yeah. how divided that country right. is. It's going to be fascinating, fascinating to watch tonight. Can't wait to watch John King on CNN and have all the those. The magic board. The magic yeah. board. It's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Mike and Langley. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey there. Uh, so one thing, it was weird hearing Trudeau say that, um, that the system is broken and it's not because of a lack of money. I don't know if he clarified as to what was actually breaking it because I figured if he's talking to some of his G7 buddies, I don't think he'd go out there and say, yeah, Canada's broken health care systems, uh, like our pride and joy or anything. So I found that a little bit odd. But anyways, the big thing I'm, thinking, I'm talking about is um, 
my wife uh, is a physiotherapist at a hospital, and it is absolutely a money thing, partly because, I mean, these students come out of uh, UBC or wherever, and there is, uh, there is job opportunities in the private sector, and the vast majority of students go there because at the end of the day, working in a hospital is incredibly taxing, incredibly taxing mm-hmm. um, mentally, physically, and the pay just doesn't compensate for it. What, yeah. are, so what, are mean, some, what are some of the private sector jobs available, like care homes or something? No, private physiotherapy for people who oh, okay. get, you know, injuries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, you, can right. easily make, you can easily make six figures doing that. Wow. And so, so, I mean, the, you have to entice these people. And so a, a lot of the, the holdup at the hospital is that you need a physio to discharge, right? And so she's mm. covering four different wards of the entire hospital. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a mess. So okay. the okay. thing is, the, 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 the bargaining is going to get them, what, 2%? That's not going to be enough to entice people to that sector. It absolutely is a money issue. Thank you for a great call. Yeah, good call, Mike. Um, yeah, it is a money issue. Um, it's not going to be solved overnight. Uh, I think physiotherapists, I'm not uh, mistaken, are part of the Health Sciences Association. They, like everyone else in all the public sector, the contract is 14%, almost 14%, over three years with some unique lang- changes to language that's unique to your profession. But, uh, yeah, so I think the report I got last night, the shortage of physiotherapists is approaching, t- we need 2,000 of them in the healthcare system. Now, I'm not sure if that would include the private side. I'd have to double-check. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily 2,000 in hospitals, yeah. but it could be. But, again, the caller just highlights what's going on in the healthcare system right now. It's really it's the staff shortage more than yeah. anything. It's not a lack of equipment. You know, we've actually had more MRIs purchased in B.C., but you need people to run them, and there, you need nurses. You need doctors. That's the shortage, and that yeah. costs a lot of money. Josh in Vancouver. Hi, Josh. Go ahead. Uh, Hey guys, uh, I think like with regard to downtown east side, I think that over the years the drugs people use have gotten way, way, way crazier, and we've just become so accepting that it's you know like I remember ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago, if somebody was shooting up on the side of the street, you know that was kind of shocking. But now mm-hmm. it's like it's just everywhere. It's, it's completely yep. normalized that people can use like super, super hard drugs everywhere. So I think that maybe part of that acceptance is what led to the demise. Yeah, that's interesting, Josh. You know, I lived on the downtown east side as a university student in the 80s, a completely different place. And it was still the downtown east side, and it was the poorest spot in the in the, the province. It had more drugs, but the, the dominant drug there was alcohol. Sure. And you did not see people shooting up. You did not see the drugs that are on display today. You didn't see the homelessness that you saw you see today. The 80s it was, it was a poverty-stricken neighborhood. Alcohol was the chief problem, not hardcore drug use, but that's radically changed, obviously. Al in Coquitlam. Hi, Al. you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, guys. Good morning. You know, and until we have a radical shift in how governments and, and the public sector operates, I just don't see any of this changing, you know. I mean, to give an example, I, from a federal government perspective, I waited eight hours to get a passport between two days. Yeah. They were ferrying us yeah. through a mall from location to location. Uh, you know, I just... These people operate so slowly, and the people that I was looking at, even in the passport office, I'm like, I, I was shocked by the yeah. behavior and the things that I heard. Thank you for the call. Yeah, and it's not just passports. Any, any uh, Accessing fit the federal government uh, right now has been a challenge on a number of fronts. Would get any kind of document. The pandemic could expose some severe weaknesses. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. 
communications. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.